sense, were his motivations? Were they truly idealistic? Was he looking for fame? And, and how stable is he psychologically? Yeah. Um, you know, I represent him, so uh, there are things I should say if I thought otherwise. I think he's incredibly stable. Uh, but of course, I'd have to say that even if I thought he weren't stable, because <laughs> I'm his lawyer. Um, I also think he is someone who was driven by ideals. He was very, he was an individual who went to work at the NSA with a sense of, uh, of helping the government fight terrorism. You know, he was a young man when 9-11 happened. He's a geek. He wanted to help the government. He first signed up for the armed forces and then was bounced out because he was not strong enough to serve in the military. He broke two legs in, in, uh, in, in boot camp. And so he signed up to work for the CIA and the NSA. And so he was doing his best to track down the bad guys. I happen to think that he's done a very different approach than Julian Assange, for instance. Julian Assange took documents given to him by Bradley Manning, Chelsea Manning, put them all on the web. Everything, every last detail on the web. Ed Snowden was really quite much more of a curator of that information. He took documents, divided them up between things that should be in the public domain, things that shouldn't be in the public domain, and then he gave them to journalists, who then made editorial decisions over what to publish and not publish. He let the Washington Post, Der Spiegel, The Guardian, The New York Times make decisions over what the public should know and shouldn't know. And so I think there's a level of responsibility, even in the way he went about these revelations, in which he is very, he's very thoughtful about it. He is very, uh, very frustrated at the lack of political and policy reform in the year and a half. He took all these documents. He put his life at risk. Uh, he thought that that would immediately trigger an effort to curtail the surveillance efforts of the government, and yet nothing's changed. And the, the same laws that Ed Snowden resisted when he was sitting in Hawaii working for our government are the laws that now govern our, um, our surveillance efforts. We are proceeding in our litigation. We have a new case that's just argued before the Second Circuit that now we have standing, so now we can uh, get to the merits of the case, and it might be a case that uh, gets decided by the highest court of our land at some point in the future. I have uh, <laughs> three quick specific questions. First of all, you talk about this fairly subtle distinction between national interest and national security. Uh, I've talked to a number of top national security people, including a former director of the CIA, who say that they believe there was huge national security damage done in terms of the collection of intelligence, in terms of the information that was given to our enemies, both. Uh, nations like China and Russia, which are the two countries he went to, as well as national, uh, you know, some of our terrorist uh, enemies uh, in terms of sources and methods. So I'm curious as to how you've arrived at this distinction between national security and national uh, uh, interest distinctions. Uh, uh, number two, uh, you talk about the fact that he went up the chain of command and he's a whistleblower. The only email that we've seen after the Brian Williams interview that was put out by the National Security Agency was totally unpersuasive that he had tried to blow the whistle and was a very much a hypothetical uh, email that didn't in any way say, I've got a problem with this and I'm thinking of going forward with this and what are we going to do about it? Um, and finally, you tell a, 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 a uh, an interesting story, well, metadata is metadata, but if they knew that I'd called my sister and if they knew that uh, I had called my boyfriend, do you know of a single instance that you know of where the NSA or the United States government has actually done that 
and, and, and actually invaded the privacy of an innocent citizen yes. by going through those kinds of jumps of phone calls. Yes. Because I've not heard of one yet. Yeah. Uh, well, so first, the question around national security and, na and national interest. I think, I think part of what's very challenging is the government says, we have been incredibly compromised and lives have been put in peril's way, but we can't tell you about it. You just have to trust us. And you'll forgive me for not having so much trust in a government that kept this program in secret for so long and lied about it, including the NSA director under oath before the Senate Intelligence Committee. I will also say that some of the things, and this I can say publicly, although I should be careful about how far I go, so it's mostly a mantra to myself. Um, many of the uh, Snowden revelations are indeed his. Not all of them. Some of the most uh, damning of them are not uh, revelations from the Snowden tranche. And I'm not saying anything to you that I have not said to the Justice Department. The Merkel leak, I don't believe is his. I don't know, I don't have the documents, don't want them. It's, a, it's, a, it's illegal to possess those documents in my office. And I happen to believe, and I have reason to believe, that there are at least two other whistleblowers who are leaking documents right now, that the press quickly calls them Snowden revelations, when in fact they are not Snowden revelations. And everyone is this pact between the government not wanting to let you know that there is perhaps a bigger problem within the government, and there are perhaps more Edward Snowdens than we think. He might be the first, he certainly won't be the last, and he's not the only one at the moment. Um, so I really want to kind of parse out the question around national interests and national security. The second question around um, Chris, remind me again the second question. I'm sorry. Oh, the, the emails, the whistleblower. Uh, up the chain of command. Well, the only reason why that one email came out is because he told Brian Williams in Moscow, and then the, Brian Williams and his team was able to put the direct question to the NSA, where they dug that one out of the out of the out of the uh, the haystack. I believe there. I am led to believe there are others that uh, that are not just that one. When he left to China and to Russia, he took blank laptops. He didn't take the data with him. He was not, he taught encryption at the U.S. government. He, he, he uploaded everything onto clouds, encrypted it, and then fled without the documents in his possession. So the idea that they'd be able to just take his laptop or take his, uh, his iPad and be able to access that which he took, he wasn't in physical possession of it. Um, I also happen to believe that there are, there are things that the government cannot tell you. I think the greatest travesty is that the government does not know what he took. The idea that we don't have a forensic trail, that almost a year and a half later, we, st we still don't know what he had access to, what he downloaded, what impact it is. You hear vast differences between people on the record about the impact on national intelligence. And the new uh, head of the, of the NSA, Rogers, been talking increasingly about how this doesn't have the impact that, that perhaps his predecessors have described. Uh, I, think, I think the third question having to do with whistleblowing, you do have these eight instances, at least, of NSA employers who access the database to do surveillance on their boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands, wives, mothers, fathers. It's in the, it's in the congressional record. It was in response, I think, to an inquiry from Senator Rand Paul that they actually talked about at least uh, less than a dozen of those instances that they have used those uh, th that information and queried the databases for purposes that had nothing to do with national intelligence. When you look at how many of those have been prosecuted because of breaking it, 
you have even a smaller than two individuals have actually been sanctioned for accessing data they shouldn't have. The question for us is, if Ed Snowden, as a contractor sitting in Hawaii, could walk away with the crown jewels of the U.S. intelligence agency, who else can? Who else is? And maybe the question is not so much, what did Ed Snowden do wrong? But what are we not doing right to make sure that we have an affirmative obligation to ensure our national security? But that there are real serious questions about the checks and balances of our government, about a government that operates in secrecy with very little transparency. And the, the implications for this about our very, the most basic information of our private lives. Um, and it's an issue I'm sh I think the Academy will be dealing with for years to come. Okay, thank you very much.